Welcome to this episode of Tea with Triggy. It's great to have you here. This is a podcast where I catch up with friends and people that I find fascinating. I check that they're doing okay and ask for tips to help us stay at home more comfortable. I'm really excited this week because my guest is the incredibly talented television and theatre actress. She's a columnist, she's a comedian, she can do anything actually. And she's just been made a dame. It is the gorgeous, wonderful Maureen Lippman. Maureen, hello. Hi Twiggy, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you for doing this. Pleasure. Congratulations, you? I think. Congratulations, yeah. I think I'm talking to a dame. <laughs> Did you find that people said to you, what does it mean? What do you, what does it, what do you do? As if you're going to you know, drive a flock of marsupials over Waterloo Bridge. <laughs> what do you do, actually? How, how or, have you or, used yours? Or, or, or if you're going to dress, dress in posh frocks and wear a tiara. <laughs> yes. Has it, has it made any difference to your life? No, not really. Well, you, when do you actually officially get, I know you've got it, but when do you actually get it? Well, I don't suppose I'll get it, do you? I mean, I think probably Sophie, Duchess of Wessex, will chuck it at me across Joe Allen's. You know, I can't imagine that the Queen's going to come out of lockdown for me and Mary Berry. You know, what's in it for her? I'll be outside the Rover's return in a ridiculous hairstyle and she'll be in Windsor and that'll be that. Well, I got Prince Charles. Mm-hmm. I've heard about actually. that. <laughs> he was nice. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's, I hope you get to do it at the palace because it's quite exciting. Well, I'm meeting up with Thomas Starveski tomorrow to discuss the, the the outfit I would wear if if um, if I get to go. He made it for me the last time I went, and this extraordinary thing happened, whereby the Queen came to uh, a rehearsal of Oklahoma. We'd been on for six months, so there was no need to have a rehearsal, but it was 10.30 in the morning. The Duke had gone to see um, Chicago, all those women in basques, you know, straddling a chair. Uh, he'd gone there. She came to us, and then we all had lunch in the in the um, Ivy in a private room. And, in fact, David Suchet was there as well. He got, he got knighted at the same time as me. He was at Lambda with me. Anyway... Uh, I didn't get to talk to the Queen, but as I was leaving, she said, um, I believe you're coming to see us quite soon. And I said, yes, ma'am, if I can find anything to wear. And then fade out, fade in, that was October. And then came uh, February, and there I am in my grey and white linen uh, from Tom Stavesky, and I go and take my little bob. And she says, well, I see you found something. Oh, she remembered. That's absolutely brilliant. I think she must just play little games with herself where she just, you know, to keep herself from falling asleep, oh, <laughs> where she just memorises things. So I love the Queen. So I'm, I love her. I, She's yeah. ex- When you think about, I mean, you know, in our business, you meet lots of people that you don't really know and you have to kind of make conversation. But for her, can you imagine what she has to mm. remember and go through? And All her life. She's interested. Exactly. Oh, does that splurge fit into that placket? You know, <laughs> and it's a, it's really, it's a, it's an actress's job, isn't it, really? She's One, done it 100%. so long. And now her little feet, they, they really, I get quite moved when I see her little feet in those rounded toed shoes. And I think mm. how many hours... She's had to stand up on those little legs. You she, know. No, she's extraordinary. And she still yes. goes horse riding, you know. 
I believe she's yeah. yes. Um, somebody Amazing. who I know said she she said she was a bit stiff one day, and that this person said, "Oh, what have you been doing?" Well, I was breaking in a new pony yesterday. That for a she game of darts. She wears a little headscarf. I've I know. She's quite courageous. No, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I think she's yeah. amazing. But it is amazing that people like you and I, with all due respect, yeah. that we should, you know, come from uh, the backgrounds we have and yeah. within a generation to be a dame. And I know people make fun and say, what empire? But that's not the point. That that misses the point entirely. History is history, I and agree. Um, you know mores uh, are different at different times of life. There's no point in pointing fingers when it's all done. We have to start mm -hmm. from today. Uh, but from my point of view, uh, it's it's an absolutely an honour. And I the feel thing to 100 percent the same. I without you know. being po-faced and pompous, which I can be. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, the, the point of it is to use it to do some good in the world, isn't it, really? Absolutely. Um, and yeah. it's lovely because it really I mean, like like I know you you support many charities as I do, and it, it, it does help in that respect. Oh gosh, it does. Yes, I mean when you listen to stuff about the planet and about, um, you know, the people who were on board for, um, uh, you know, ec ecological things at the beginning, and they they fought to stop roads and they fought to do this and they fought, and it's only when someone like David Attenborough comes on board yeah. that the thing falls into place. Exactly. So if that's the price you pay for the work you've done being kind of sidelined, but suddenly you can make a difference, well, hey, let's do it. Absolutely. And and I always say if 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 using my name and I'm sure you feel the same can help, why wouldn't you help? I know. Exactly. You know, and if it means that by doing a photo in a in in a new national newspaper can help home a child or home yeah. abandoned or animal or yeah. raise Be money for something, then then why not use it? That that's that's the nice side of being famous I think there's downsides which I'm sure you'll agree it is and because in a way we always because of the nature of what we do we always feel imposters don't we I mean even Dame Maggie Smith said you know you know you always think someone's going to tap the tap you on the shoulder and say you know you can't do it can you and it's true <laughs> we all feel that we all feel that in a way we we're just getting away with it so <laughs> it's nice to be doing something where you can make you know, you can make, yeah. I happen to think that what we do is hugely important and a kind of therapy because we need stories. Human beings just need stories. You can see that. Absolutely. In the well, that's what's so heartbreaking, I think, at the moment. And I'm sure you'll agree is, you know, the state of theatre. And I just wonder if it's going to survive and how it's going to survive. And I know, you hear such I, awful it stories. It breaks my heart. And it's, you know, I, I think probably, I mean, I don't know, but I think the big, theatres will probably come through mm. but it's all the regional ones which are so important to so many people and so many people mm. who work there you know and you just think how are they going to manage well I don't know but I do believe in the positive side which is you know uh, which is that the West End and various theatres have come to rely on big touring musicals and in a way, it was quite difficult to go to the theatre in the days when all was running smoothly. If you look down Shaftesbury Avenue, it was one compilation music thing after another. Yeah, true. Well, that's gonna that that's gonna change and evolve. And there are certain things that have come out of these small shows, like 
um, staged with Michael Sheen and David Tennant uh, mm -hmm. that were filmed and things online. I did a uh, Martin Sherman play called Rose. I oh, say so you did Rose, didn't you? Yeah. yeah, and it's just one of the, you know, we did it in a weekend. We did it for 2,000 quid. It's gone all over the place. It was it was really, really, it, it, it tells the story of the 20th century through the eyes of one Jewish survivor. And it's a marvellous piece, but even that, you know, nobody got any money for it. Fair enough, actors are used to working for uh, a practical biscuit. So can people still? Uh, yeah, it's gone off now. But it's, it's we're going to try and get it back. Yeah, somebody's, get it back. Yeah, somebody's bid. And did you do it with completely no audience? No audience um, and virtually no rehearsals. I had to learn. I don't know. I suppose it was forty-five pages whilst I was still doing Coronation Street, and the director, um, who has the wonderful name of Scott Lacrasse. He came to my house, sat in the garden, whatever the weather. We did three or four rehearsals in the garden. And then on Media City in Salford, we sat in a greenhouse and we had chips. And we had another few rehearsals. And then that was it. But in a funny way, the fact that there was no one in the audience, it didn't bother me because I've done so many things. Uh, I mean, nobody's there when you're doing Coronation Street, are they? No, that's true. If, and if you've, you've got you've an done audience, so much. If you've got an audience of a thousand, you speak a bit louder. <laughs> if you've got an audience <laughs> of two at a bus stop, you're a bit more animated. Yeah, I mean, I don't care. I just like showing off. That's the, the long and the short of it. Get out there. Give me something to say. Give me a thought. Give me a motivation. And I'm happy. I'm awake. Do you get, because I, I get, I mean, I, I haven't done half as much as you've done on stage and, and things, but do you, do you get nervous still or, or do you just, kind of use the nerves to kind of perform through that no I get more and more nervous as I get older and I have just this strong memory I did a one-woman show at Edinburgh last year which I put together and uh, the beginning was like uh, a leg in a fishnet tights coming through the curtains and then an arm in a black velvet glove and then I was on the top of a stepladder, so my head came through about eight feet above my hand. Yeah, I thought it was quite funny. And I'm standing on that stepladder, and I thought, I'm going to die. I will never, ever get through this. Please don't make me have to do this. You know, it's like going to the dentist, and you're sitting in double biology, and you know you've got to have a fill-in. <laughs> And and I did it. I did it. You break through, but I think it does. It does take its toll. And I was reading Julie Walters um, giving an interview after she's been uh, had a bowel cancer and everything, and saying, you know, that mm -hmm. she doesn't sleep when she's working. And I know that feeling so well that you know you think, oh, I'll go to bed at nine o'clock and then I'll be nice and fresh for the morning, and I won't have two sacks under my eyes. And at three o'clock in the morning, you go, what am I going to do? Do I take a pill or not? Oh. I know it's awful. <laughs> So it's not, it doesn't get any easier. And you don't like the sight of yourself. You know, you just see all the bits that are, you know, I, um, I did an interview for ITV the other night. We were outside, so the lighting was unkind. And I looked at it up and I thought, my God, you're growing to look like a peregrine falcon, Maureen, that with a disproportionate beak. What are you, you know, and then you think, well, what can I do? You know, everybody's having stuff injected into their faces. I'm frightened to death. I know what. Oh, well, please don't do that. <laughs> it would all coagulate in one place. <laughs> Just got this oh, sort of. I, the world's gone mad. I, well, I hope it's stopping a bit. Um, but it did become a bit of a trend, didn't it? Well, I, I've never done it because it's too. It frightens me. The thought. Yes, me too. And also, face and yeah. Well, you've got good bones. Where does it go? Well, I want to know where it goes, you see. I, 
I think just go straight to your thighs. <laughs> <laughs> You grew up in Hull, right? You say that with an expression of disbelief to me, yeah. <laughs> you grew up in Bermondsey. With... <laughs> For some reason, I thought you... I didn't know you were from Hull. I thought you were from, like, Manchester or No, something. it was Jack. Jack was from Manchester. Oh, and because of our mutual friend mutual Jo, friend. Acted, yeah. I yeah. thought you... Because she's from Manchester, right? Yes, and the, it's a different because in, in Manchester, it's very, very nasal, you know. They're all, they all talk through their noses. But in Hull, because it's a port... It's very, very flat, and they don't know. Oh, yeah. They don't know anything. They, they pick up the fern, and they fern You're you. You're brilliant accents. <laughs> you not. just do any act. You are. No. I mean, in Oklahoma, you were amazing doing the American. Oh, uh, well, we had a very good, uh, actors always say, it, you know, it's like, have you ever noticed if you say to someone, oh, I like those shoes, they always say, I've had them 20 years, actually. I think the label's still under the foot. Nobody ever <laughs> takes a compliment, do they? No. But she was jo uh, Joan Washington, Richard E. Grant's wife. She taught us. The, oh, yeah. She she's said, um, you know, that you have to hold your mouth in the shape of uh, the lie of the land. So if it's Oklahoma, you got to get the back of your throat shaped like a letterbox, see? And oh, then yeah. she goes through the whole thing about how if you're in Scotland, you cover up your talk teeth. And oh, it's very interesting. How interesting. Yeah, she's yeah. brilliant, Joan, yeah. actually. She is. Well, we, of course, you and I, we nearly worked together, didn't we? I know, we oh, did. Wasn't that, that was weird? So scary for you. It was. It to was explain, scary. we we were both cast in um, Blythe Spirit to do in Chichester Theatre. And you were going to play Madame Arcati. Yeah. I was offered... Elvira. The and you, were blood, you were very, very good as well. Oh, you were just you. like a spirit. But one of the big things for me was to do it with you. I know. And, and then, then you I got, got, you got, I got sick. Ill. But thank God you were all right. Thank yeah, God. I suddenly found there was a thing growing in the back of my neck oh, so that you were had so to go. brave and then poor dora Bryan had to take over oh, at two I weeks know. oh dear know, bless her she never she <laughs> she never god rest her soul but she never really learned it properly no i mean she was getting on a bit then and she was mm. ever so sweet and mm. the, the director had a nervous breakdown because <laughs> she oh, couldn't don't. remember. Yes. Her life. I know, and I poor, the show poor the guy uh, Stephen pacey who played um Charles, he lost about a stone in weight because Dora kept jumping pages. <laughs> <laughs> it I didn't mean, really laugh, affect but... me because I was the ghost and the only person I, that talked to me was Charles. Nobody else could talk to me, so it didn't affect me, but it did yeah, affect the, the show. <laughs> of course. Uh, and there's a history of that part the, the, because when Margaret Rutherford played it, she had a, a doctor in each in each of the wings because she was going nuts slightly. Oh, really? And... Really? Uh, uh, yes, I mean, I don't suppose it affected Jennifer Saunders or Angela Lansbury. I've never heard that <laughs> such thing. But Yeah, because Jennifer was doing it when this all broke out, wasn't she? Yes, it? that's right. I was going yeah. to see it and then, of mm. course, it all ended. Which Anyway, yes. going back to you in Hull... Oh yes. So, did did you know as a little girl you wanted to perform? We, I mean, were you a singer? Or did you go to kind of? Yes, I didn't go classes? to anywhere, but um, uh, and um, there were no drama classes as such. But I, I, I had a, a mother who got me to perform uh, very early, and I was, I did impersonations. I did Alma Cogan, Ruby Marie. I did you name it, and I was. I probably was the sort of child I would have hated if I saw her now. I mean, I, I could watch my granddaughter for hours doing her 
things that she does uh singing and her dancing and her you know she's she's got a bit of something in going on there uh but um yeah i was the kid who performed and um my brother was a clever one and i went to a good school scholarship blah blah but i had an excellent drama teacher joan nicholson and she gave me the role of dr faustus in sort of an all-male play in an all-girls school and years later i used to go and see her and i said why did you do that? Can remember this is 19 in the 50s. Wow. Why did you do a play and give me the role of Dr. Faustus? Because it made quite a stir. And she said, Well, why shouldn't we do those plays? I didn't see any reason why girls shouldn't take on the male roles. Why on earth not? Well, she she was ahead of her time. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She really was. I owe her and Hull a lot because Yeah, because I off I often ask people I'm chatting to if there was a, a person who was really important in their life or changed their life. Mine was Ken Russell, of course. Yes. He saw something that I didn't even know was there. And I was really shy. I wasn't like you as Mm. a child. I didn't perform. And actually, my two elder sisters went to tap class and brownies. And and my mum took me and I I wouldn't go. I'd run out the door and go home with her. So it was a bit scary. But I think you'll understand, because he had faith in me, And because he said, you can do it and I'll Mm. look after you, you know, it it gave me confidence because I was quite insecure. Well, very insecure and quite shy. Most actors are a Mm. curious mixture. I always think of that quote from Edmund Keane. Why are we actors so full of, why do we have so much self-esteem and so little self-respect? Ooh, I think. (laughs) But actually, in the, uh, because Dr. Faustus made a bit of a stir, the next year they were doing Much Ado About Nothing and I was shoo-in for Beatrice, I thought, after my reviews. Uh-huh. I thought, oh, yes. And I got the part of Margaret, the serving wench. Well, I was livid. Oh. Yes, you can imagine. <laughs> so it was 40-odd years later that I said to her, why did I not get the part? I've never been able to play Beatrice. I was shoo-in for Beatrice. Why didn't? And she said, why, did you, why do you think? And I said, I got big-headed, didn't I? <laughs> yes, oh, very. That's so funny. <laughs> That is, am- but that you remembered is brilliant. Yeah, That's yeah. So but we were very, very arty. My class, we, we, we painted and we did. We put a show on every year at the uh, in the field at the back of the school. We put the whole school came and sat down and we did, and it was properly written and properly rehearsed. And yeah, we were a good. And of course, I've heard from look, several of my school pals since this damehood saying, you know, you you wrecked my chances of getting a biology O-level because of your antics. <laughs> <laughs> my antics, yeah. Naughty um, antic person. <laughs> so did you, and then did you go to drama school after Yeah, that? straight, straight. Musical festivals and then straight from school, uh, I applied to Rose Bruford and Lambda, full grant from Hull City Council to live and to study. So, you see, that wouldn't happen now. If I had needed £9,000 a term, I can promise you I would have been a hairdresser because that wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able no. to go to drum school. It's a sad thing. I think, it, you know, because of what's happened, a lot of kids who haven't got the money behind them, you mm. know, can't go ahead and, and, yes. and, and go to the drama schools now. Well, that was the beauty of Anna Sher, wasn't it? Anna Sher got loads yeah. of working-class kids working right. in drama. But on the other hand, of course... There are too many drama schools for too few parts. And it's all very well for the Ken Loaches of this world to say, you know, I don't want actors, I want real people. 
but yeah. you know, scissors and glue, so they have to stitch it all together in the editing room. Uh, real actors should be able to play any part within their realm, within yeah. their reach. You should all be able to have a chance at everything. That's how we learn. That's why stretching. it's called acting, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you not done things like Mad- Midsummer Murders and Holby City? Uh, no. I, w- I think I-, I almost did a Holby City and then my mum got very sick. And I was on the train going there, actually. Mm. And, um, mm, and to... I got the call on the train and I had oh. to, you know, she was she died. But oh. she was very elderly, but I... I had to, I had to go back. Gosh, and the producers yeah. were wonderful, actually. Yes, really understanding. Mm. Well, you ought to because you could, there are a lot of those parts, murder, she said, and things. You'd be absolutely brilliant in those. <laughs> you know those parts that Marsha Warren plays. You know, sort oh, of yeah. fiddly, fiddly little elderly women. You know, sorry, nothing personal, but you oh, know what I, I mean. I am elderly, <laughs> and, I, and I knit. I'm really good. <laughs> Oh, are you? Really? Yes. You and uh... me skills. I can't horse ride, but I can knit. (laughs) Well, knit yourself a horse. (laughs) When you came out of drama school, you did quite a lot of theatre first. Was that your first working thing or was it telly? I mean, you've done so much. When I I knew a lot of them, but when I looked at your bio, you've done so much. It's amazing. Amazing. I have. I've been a useful. Uh, little thespian. You um, have. Uh, I, I started off working at Watford and then I got up the junction. That was oh, yeah. quite spooky. And I don't think I've ever credited the, the agent who said to me, go along and meet Peter Collinson. Do not tell him that you're from the north. They're only seeing Cockneys. Oh. And so I, I played that role at the interview. And then having got the role, I didn't realize that you tend not to get fired if you're doing quite well. So I kept it up for 13 weeks that I was this little Cockney Leslie Hornby type. And, um, That's hysterical. Uh, uh, that and it was amazing. only when uh, he first took me to the rushes and I saw myself and I got a terrible shock, you always do. I ran into the toilet and I was I was having a bit of a weep and he came in after me. What's the matter? What's the matter? I was still talking, you know, (laughs) oh, look, yeah. I said, no, you look exactly like I want you. I said, yeah, but Uh, anyway, in the end, he was so kind. I've always been totally defeated by kindness. It makes me cry. And uh, and I said, I've got to tell you something, Pete. (laughs) And I said, I'm not a Cockney. I'm from Hull. And he said, really? I said, yeah. He said, why? I said, I, I, I'm, I'm pretending, aren't I? And he said, that's interesting. He said, I'm from Grimsby. And I said, but I thought you were an ex-Bernardo's boy from the East End. He said, how do you think I got the rights for 200 quid? He said, so we're both playing the same game. That's hysterical. So, yeah, lots of early jobs. I, I, I did go through kind of pranks in order to get the work. And I always say to kids, if I talk to students, I would say, you know, look, when you walk into an audition, you have to convince people. Mm. that you are what the part requires rather than what they've got in their heads. So you've got to do it, you know, the same applies to you and me. We've got personality. Now, people might yeah. like it or they might not, yeah. but it's not yeah. it's not a homogenous personality. It's not like everybody would love you. But but, but don't you think uh, both Lee and I are on the, on the, um, the board of Mountview Drama School, which is a wonderful drama school, and because Lee went to it when it used to be an evening drama school back in the late 60s. Right. And so we go to their end of 
well, well, not this year because of the COVID, but um, we go to their end of term shows. And it, I mean, they do amazing things, but you, it always may, you, you can usually tell when somebody comes on mm. almost immediately, mm. they've got something. You can't oh. put your finger on it. It's like <laughs> well, magic you shouldn't, dust. not at your age. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went to see um, the kids at Salford Centre for Media Studies. And, you know, I was just sort of walking around as you do and popping mm. in on classes, various things. They were breathing, they were singing, they were tap dancing. And then I went into a rehearsal of the government inspector, all of which was very good. And I was sitting there thinking, right, I'd be able to get up and go in a minute. And then this little fat lad came on as the government inspector. And I just sort of sat up and, you know, stiffened mm. imperceptibly is the word they use in novels. And I turned, without turning, I said to the head teacher, I said, who the is that and he said ah and it was peter k <laughs> oh wow that's amazing peter k has not yet acted uh in the way that in my opinion i mean obviously yeah. he does in the carpool thing but he'd be the best hobson in hobson's choice you've ever oh, seen yeah. you know it just yeah, would right. be amazing yeah. so one day i would like to direct him in that oh that's a good <laughs> idea yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh... but you do you do get magical people because again mm. at, at Mount View we saw a production of Gypsy. This is God, twenty years ago, and this young girl playing Mama. You know, she was only twenty or something, and she was unbelievable mm. un with the most God-given voice. Mm. But she was little and round, and you know, attractive, but not a beauty. And, you know, nothing happened for her, but she really? was so talented. Well, that's the I thing. always said to Lee, she should have hung on till she was older, but maybe, mm. you know. That's, that's the thing. One never understands it. The people who are destined for greatness when you're at uh, training school, they don't do it. And it's the oddballs, like yeah. in our year, Sam Kelly. I don't remember Sam Kelly. Yeah. Never stopped working, Sam, you yeah. know. Amazing. Um, uh, yeah, and then it just was a question of going through from one it isn't from one job to another it, it, it looks that way when you look at a cv but of course yeah. it isn't uh, no, but a bit of telly a bit of theater a bit of radio a bit of film uh not enough film because that's I, that's pretty much my oh. favorite uh but then suddenly suddenly you're 74 and you just think where uh. the heck did that go and i remember being in gibraltar at a literary festival and talking to a class of, of kids and i I suddenly floated out my body and into theirs, being one of them, looking out at this silver-haired lady coming and talking about a career that they would know nothing about. And I just said mm. to them, promise me that in 40 years' time, you'll remember this moment because you will now feel exactly like I feel. I think you want to be my friend. <laughs> I think you think I'm the same. You know, we're going to go out in the playground and we're going to play double ball on the wall. And we're going to, you know, I can't believe what you're seeing. And one day you won't believe what someone else is seeing. And that's life, isn't it? I know. I know. It is. And it's just amazing. Lee and I were saying the other day, you know, how quickly it goes. Scary. Well, yeah. And Scary. then you get grandchildren. And then the whole thing sort of makes, makes sense, you know. But talking about films, you 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 did the pianist, right? With um, I did. Roman Polanski. Was that a yeah. happy experience? <laughs> <laughs> I only say that because Lee did tests with him, right? And and there 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 were 
touchy moments. I mean, it was a beautiful film, but... Um, so he is wondered. very prescribed. I've worked with theatre directors like him before. He's absolutely prescribed. In other words, you do this, you do that, and then you do this. And that's not my style. I like to think on the balls and the feet, and I like to play tennis with a part. And, you know, the young man who plays with me in Coronation Street, who plays Tyrone, Alan Halsall, he's just like, his eyes are out on pins. Oh, Jesus, what's she going to do next? But it, it makes for, yeah. you know... And well, it keeps it alive, apart from anything else. Uh, but but um, Roman was an event, you know, I was... Uh, amazed to get the the role. I never met him before I get it. Got it. Frank Finley and I auditioned in somebody's house in in Clapham, wow. and we had to do a scene staring into the camera, but not at each other. And Frank looked a lot like um, his his uh, romance father, so he was shooing. He was, um, uh, and I knew him from my days at the Old Vic. And um, uh, me, I don't know what I, I don't know, but I think I looked quite a lot like Adrian Brody, nose wise. And <laughs> you know, off we went to. Uh, he made me have all the pigment taken out of my hair to go grey, and it went green. So I made them put a rinse on it. This was in Paris. And then when I went for the first day, he said to me, um, what have you done to your hair? What did I tell you to do? Why is it like you have ruined the film? He and the producer came to my caravan and told me that I'd ruined the film on the first day. So you can imagine how good oh, I felt. I spent the whole time pressing my heels into the floor so that I wouldn't cry. I thought, I'm not going to let these people make me cry. <laughs> oh, God. And from then on, it was just a question of keeping his trust, really, until... Because uh, I did get a wig, and he just said, well, what is wrong? Why didn't you have a wig in the first place? I thought, okay, let that one go. <laughs> and then gradually we built up confidence, and he began to let me do just a couple of things of my own. He, uh, and, and you know, in the end, we, we had a lot of respect for one another. Certainly, I, it was an amazing experience because we were in Poland. Of course, there were no Jewish extras, so they just was just like anybody was a, was an extra. And uh, whenever he said, cut, the whole place applauded. <laughs> he was, you know, godlike status. So, uh, oh, okay. yeah, but I mean, to be in an Oscar-nominated film, not that I was ever invited to any screening Unbelievable. Anywhere. It um, is a wonderful <laughs> film. <laughs> I'm glued to AmeriCast. Do you listen to that? It's a podcast with Emily Matis and John Soper. I just... I cannot believe it. And today, Obama came out and he said, you would not accept this behavior from a child. You wouldn't ex accept this meanness from a boss. Why would you ex expect it from, why would you allow it from the president of the United States? It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's, it's unbelievable. It's a terrible indictment of what we now regard of, of, of leadership. Yeah. It's, you know... Yeah. Well, in, 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 in my eyes, I think he, he probably won because he was famous from being on television and a precisely. lot of America, he became yeah. like a, a, a star on TV and yeah. they knew him and they voted for him. I mean, It started with Reagan, but, but Reagan was an intelligent and a yes. kind man, I think, probably, um, and didn't do a bad job. But it started with that and now he's been backlit for 15 years with that preposterous pile of apricot shredded wheat on his head. And they love him. They think he's the, his own man and it's big. Yeah, but he's a big, there's, he's also, there's also a lot that don't, I mean, 
I'm sure your friends over there and my friends are beside themselves. Yes, embarrassed. And Desperately embarrassed. Praying that, you know, it will but, change. Well, we, sh we shall see. We shall well, see. Well, we will. Um, the opposition um, is not startling, but at I least know, it's a proper a human being. I know. And, he, and then with Trump, you know, he says, I grab women by the pussy. He's, know. We know he doesn't pay tax. He doesn't matter. He's absolutely right. If he went and stabbed someone on Fifth Avenue, he'd still... Get a, the, the, but he walks around like a dictator, doesn't he? Yes, yes, he does. And I mean, Lee said if, if if that was the thing in America, he would be a dictator. Yes, if he gets another four years. Yeah. And I mean, the sight of him and I don't know if you've seen these shows called the Trump Show. If you've seen the sight of him and Kim Jong Un walking towards each other with know. their vast fat bellies and their preposterous hairstyles, I mean, you just thought. Give us a break. This cannot be the land of, you know, Franklin D. Roosevelt. I mean, I get her, please. And, of course, we had that here, didn't we, with Corbyn being absolutely ludicrous. And they've all got three wives, if you notice. They've all had three <laughs> wives. It's like obligatory. Putin's probably had about 53. They're probably oh, under gosh. the ice. <laughs> now, you're doing Coronation Street. Yeah. And is that your northern accent, please? Yeah, sorry. And that my, was it. Dad, my dad's from Bolton, was Oh. Bolton, so I should be able to do it, but I can't. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> I remember you yeah. say custard and Luke and book. My, my, da <laughs> yeah. my, darling, my darling dad. I loved yeah. him so much. He was a big um, But you were in Corrie before, weren't you, mm. a little bit? Yes. Well, I'm very connected to Coronation Street because Jack, my late husband, Jack Rosenthal, wrote episode 13, and we're now doing episode 1185. Gosh. So uh, when I first met him, he he wasn't he'd done 150 episodes and, and been the producer during uh, turbulent times. Uh, but then in 2000. And two maybe three I suddenly got a, I was on a cruise actually and I suddenly got a call saying would you take over the Rovers return <laughs> yes would I because Julie Goodyear had, had a bit of a melt and because oh. um, of course you know in Jack's day you would do it in a studio with the floor taped out and you would do a complete run of each episode and Jack used to go and sit in a church on Dean Street and bite his nails uh, <laughs> in the lunch hour um uh um, and so I went back as Lillian, rather pretentious, a sort of Annie Walker character, if you like. Yeah. And um, uh, and I was in it for two weeks and then Julie got very much better very quickly. And so then I wasn't in it. Uh, and then the years rolled and then suddenly my agent retired, Jeremy Conway, and, um, and I went to a new agent, and, and Michelle Burke. She said to me, how would you feel about... Coronation Street there's a part that's so you and I said I would feel great you know I mean as a, I was listening to a program about play for today and Paula Milne used to write for Coronation Street yeah. she was talking about play for today and she said she went to one of these Oxbridge edu educated pr producers at the BBC and he said what have you been doing and she said well I've, I've been writing Coronation Street and he said I think you better keep quiet about that <laughs> and it's that kind of snobbery that makes me proud to be in something which keeps up a fantastic standard, really. Amazing. Right through. And amazing also, standard. How, how long 
has it been? It's you know, 60th it's, year. It's going to come for a And Bill Roach, of course, has been there since the beginning. Yeah. He's amazing. Is he lovely? I've never. Yeah, met he's a nice man, and he's he, you know he's he puts up with. He's out there in the the other night. We did a night shoot. It's quarter to three in the morning when I left him standing there with more lines to do. So um, uh, I, I like. What I like, Twigs, and I bet you would too, is I like a company. I like a mm. bunch of people. How are you? All right. Yeah. How was mm. your weekend? I like coming in and saying hello to the same people on the door, yeah. which is how Granada used to be. Hello, Maureen. Have you been home? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like being in a theatre production, isn't well, it? Well, it is. You and become I, a family. But yeah. how has it been? Because did you break from filming when the when the yeah we we, had a, we broke for the lockdown and yeah. then they started up again I think in June and mm-hmm. then the oldies uh, came back in July and it's very much a question of uh, hygiene we we have our temperature taken when we go in um, we uh, we do all our own makeup and hair all the stuff's left outside the door of your dressing room nobody goes in it except you and then they decontaminate it when you leave you do your own costume it's all left there rollers stuff that's fine for me because I'm used to the theatre so yeah I you say know, you can uh, do it. Yeah, some, yeah, I'd be all no right. Time. With that, You'd be I fine. Can do, I, can, I can do hair and makeup, darling. <laughs> yeah, well, there's not much makeup for for Evelyn. Um, and and then we've got a cohort. It's a big new word, and he's got a big stick, so you can't get any nearer than two meters to anybody. And this is very hard for me because I'm a great believer in business. In business is is when you do things, and, mm. I, and to me, that's what makes acting real. Soap is very easy for soap to become two talking heads confronting each other and saying you know Ian don't you talk to me like that I'll talk to you how I like you it's like <laughs> you know it's a bit so I like to be making and doing and busy and you know even celebrity gogglebox I had to be doing me crochet or something and it's very hard when you can't do that you can't pass make someone a cup of tea and pass it to them I had a game of Scrabble with Roy David Nielsen the other day and we had to be at two separate tables when you see it, it'll be one table and it requires great ingenuity. What do they uh, do about if somebody's got to kiss somebody? Can they do that? We've all got very long lips. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't I don't know. I mean, I've, I've heard about plastic screens in EastEnders. I haven't had to kiss anybody for about 25 years, so it hasn't applied to me. But I'm having this little romance at the moment with um, Paul Copley playing Arthur. And, um, right. and uh, uh, yes, and they were going, you know, it, I was quite adamant that if they're going to give me a, a romance, that, that Evelyn would not get her vest off for any man. <laughs> <laughs> that is- so we've been running with that one for a while. She's, <laughs> at the moment, she's still got it on. Still got her vest on. We go off on a caravan holiday. And- yeah. And so she makes him sleep outside on a mattress. And is it true you, a you got a... Um- Best Newcomer Award. Yeah. For being 52 in years. Yeah. That's so wonderful. It's good, isn't it? I said it's like giving Dolly Parton her first padded bra. <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely, though. I mean, it is nice to... Um, it is nice to get prizes. And, you know, in, in in this career business, there's a point where you're just being discovered, where you, you, you practically get a prize for you know, leaning against a bus stop and they can't give you an... Well, that's not also... quite true. You have, well, you, it stops. You are, it always... you are, I mean, you're, you, you've, done, you've done so many different things and you always, 
you know, you always bring so much. I mean, do you remember when you did? Well, of course you do. Did the, the, the Joyce Grenfell, Joyce. Mm. That's I, I probably what so probably much. my best. That's probably I peaked with that. I think oh, it was a amazing. It was a wonderful opportunity to do what sort of I've been doing since I was a kid, which is monologues, mm. where you have to invent the other person and the audience have to work hard. And Joyce always said, it doesn't work if I do this on my own. I have to reach out to you and you, your imagination has to feed back into what I'm doing. And I absolutely understood that from doing musical festivals as a kid. There's no audience there um, and you have to gauge the laughs as if as if nobody's laughing and because you're a character. And at that point in a character's life, nobody is out there laughing. So, yeah, comedy we know is, is tricky and difficult. Um, and it, it was, it, I did it on and off for five years. And even now, you know, if there's a memorial or a uh, something, I, I will still remember a bit of Joyce. And that's really why Rose was, was um, so organic to me, because I'm so used to talking to nobody. Mm. do it all the time yeah and before we wind this up because I could I could stay here all day and talk to you but before I, I've got to bring up that you actually gave us one of the nation's favorite catchphrases which is um you got an ology yes yes <laughs> it still I did makes me laugh it'll be on my tombstone oh I'm god sure. it was brilliant yeah. they were I mean good. it what it, it I mean isn't it amazing that from a wonderful commercial comes a phrase that everyone uses. Mm. It's well, that was Richard Phillips who invented the whole thing. And uh, I made 55 commercials in two years. Can you believe oh, that? Oh, my goodness. Yes. How wonderful. Yes. Well, no, it's for a buyout. But, oh, it, but that's that, beside cool. the point, it really... It, I was going to say, I hope you made a bloody fortune. No, I didn't. But I <laughs> You should have done. I know. No, it was, I come to look at it now and I say, it was sometimes in your life and, and uh, you get the right part at the right time mm. in the right circumstances. And I would say that Beatty and Joyce and Rose yeah. and possibly Evelyn have been, you know, quite, just great timing for, 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 for doing There's a can million you, things. Mm. Can you also remember the moment you went from being a working actress, which you always were, to becoming well known and famous and people recognizing you. Was was that agony? Was that the yes. comedy? Yes, it was. Yes. That was agony. what brought you really into the Yes. Getting your own getting your own show is, yeah. is and being uh, recognized. It, yeah. And, but I bet you're a bit like me. Do people come up and talk to you in the street? Like they yeah. know <laughs> And because they know that you won't mind. Yeah, and, and I, you're you friendly. Know, and, absolutely. Yeah. Some I get people... people talk to me all the time. Yeah. And what does Lee say? Uh, what does he say? He just makes him laugh. Yeah. But they are. They talk to me and I've come thinking, oh, God, how do I know this person? And then I think, <laughs> well, I don't. They just yeah. know me. But it's well, nice that they feel comfortable enough to come. Yeah, to I think that's true. I think we're very much public... You know, this awful phrase, national treasure, um, uh, it, it, it is awful because it's true, uh, like all cliches. And and I think people do feel that they know us yeah. and that they can come. And that's that's nice. But I mean, there it are is. a lot of actors who are very, very shy yeah. and they just don't want that. And it's a funny business to come in if you want anonymity, isn't it? <laughs> not the not the right one. <laughs> anyway, yeah. it's been an absolute joy to talk to you, and I, oh. as I say, I could sit here all day, but I know you've got to go off. 
And we go off and do what? Go off. No, you're going to go. <laughs> when are you going off to your uh, my your little break? holiday Monday? Yeah, lovely. we'll have a yeah. lovely, lovely time. I hope so. I'll bring I'll bring back a painted plate. I'm going to try glass blowing. So <laughs> I'll probably come back with huge lips. And um, and when this horrid thing is all over. We'll have a nice dinner and a nice glass of wine, darling. That would be lovely, Twigs. And uh, lovely, thank you for having me on. Oh, thanks for, for coming. Lots of love. Lots of love. Bye. Well, I could have gone on talking to Maureen for hours and hours. She's just a, a lovely, lovely lady and so interesting and, and so knowledgeable about so many things. But I think we covered quite a lot there and... Um, I hope she has a lovely holiday. She deserves it. Anyway, see you next time. Bye. If you've enjoyed listening to Tea with Twiggy, please take a moment to give us a lovely five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people to find the show. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast so you auto-magically get the next episodes for free. And do tell all your friends and family about it too. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. heard a stripped media production. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.